want you to stay awake and alert because we're going to dive into our second part of our series. And we're talking about today. Last week we talked about time. Today we're talking about talents. And then next week we're talking about treasures. We're being good stewards of what God has given us. Um, you know, when it comes to stewarding our lives, it's not always easy because we have a way of doing things. And it's not always the way God wants us to we kind of are stubborn about things, and we do it our way. So turn in First Corinthians, your Bible's First Corinthians chapter, First um, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse one. We've all been entrusted with three very important things: time, talent, and treasures. Time is one of those things that are more than just minutes and hours. All right, it's it's represented by areas of opportunity. That's why the Bible says redeem the time. That means when you have an opportunity, take advantage of the opportunity to use it for God's glory and you're good, right? And then you have this other aspect, which is talents. Talents is interesting. I believe talents is represented by two different gifts. I believe it's represented by spiritual gifts and physical gifts. We'll get into that in just a minute. But those talents are a beautiful thing that God has entrusted us with. And, uh, and, I, I, and again, I believe the physical is to, for his kingdom. I believe the spiritual is for the edification of the saints and the building of the church body. And then you have the treasures are represented by our resources, the things that we claim are ours, right? Our money, our home, our property, our cars. These are ours, right? No, they're not. You're just a manager of those things. The owner, which is God, has empowered you with those things and to use those in the right way. So... We've all been given these capacities and these abilities to be productive with the time, the talents, and the treasures we've been given. And all of us have been given this uh, capacity, if you would, this ability, if you would, to, to be very productive. But we're all given different levels of it. Not everybody has the same amount given to them. All right, think about this. Everybody still with me? Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 20, 25 and 13 through, through 30, Jesus gives the parable of the talents. Now, the word talent there is not a skill. It, it's literally dealing with a weight or the idea of a gold amount. All right? And there's three servants and there is one master and the master is about to leave on a journey and he empowered three different servants with an amount of five Two and one, and said, "Be productive with this. I'm, you, I'm expecting you to be a good manager of this. And when I get back, I want you to multiply what I've given you. Everybody with me? Well, the master obviously represents Jesus. We are the servants, and we've been empowered with these things, symbolically speaking, called time, talent, and treasures. What are we going to do with those while the master is gone? Now, the master is coming back." The Lord is coming back. It may not feel like it, but he is. And we have this short period of time, just like this parable, to do our very best. But we've all been given a specific amount. You know, too much. If you've been given a lot, you're required a lot. You know what I mean? You have a greater responsibility. And I don't know where you are with your spiritual gifts and your uh, physical talents. But whatever you've been empowered with... You, are very, you have to be very responsible with those things. So we're commissioned the same way as these servants of Jesus, as servants of Jesus Christ. And so we, we've got this short period of time. And I believe we have to have clarity on how to handle this period of time that we've been given. So today we're going to focus on talents that God has given us. The spiritual and physical gifts that we've been entrusted with. So everybody on the same page. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul speaking to the church. 
and he, and he dives into this issue of spiritual gifts. And he has to because it's been confusing for years and years. At the time of Paul, the church was all messed up when it came to spiritual gifts. They were messing it all up. Some misunderstood it. Some abused it. Some misused it. It was just chaos within the church. And so with that being said, uh, Paul dives into this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 through 3. And he says now this. Now concerning spiritual gifts. I'm glad we're testing these out right now because we're using these, these speakers when we get in the library. Like, hey, we should test it out in case something goes wrong. So we're finding out right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, brothers, sisters, listen up. I would not have you ignorant. Wherefore, I give to you understanding. In other words, church, I don't want you to misunderstand this subject of spiritual gifts. I need you to have clarity and understanding. Don't mess this up. You know, these spiritual gifts, the Greek, this is two words, spiritual gifts, but there's only one Greek word. Uh, pneumaticon is the Greek word for spiritual gifts. It's one word. It means to breathe or spirit or flow. It's, it's dealing with spiritual things. But in this passage, it's dealing with spiritual gifts, empowerment. And he said, I don't want you to get things messed up or mixed up. I want you to have clarity and understanding when it comes to spiritual matters concerning these gifts. Why? Because it's supernatural and it's easy to get things mixed up. And he said, and when he's speaking of being ignorant, he said, I just need you to understand, have knowledge and understanding. The word ignorant here, it's, it's interesting. Agnostic comes from that word, the Greek word translation. And, and why is that? Because they're confused people. Agnostic people are very confused. And he's saying, I don't want any confusion in the church. I don't want any confusion at Thrive Church when it comes to the talents, the two gifts you've been given, your physical and your spiritual. So he dives into this. And so he breaks it down. So now we're going to break it down. You need to know what your gifting is, okay? You need to understand what your gifting is. Your purpose is defined by your gifting, Your purpose is defined by your gifting. So your purpose in the church and your purpose in life is defined by your gifting. Your gifting is twofold. Remember, physical and spiritual. You know why so many people get anxiety, depression? It's because they don't know what their purpose is. You know why people quit the church? Because they don't know what their purpose is within the church. And so they just feel like they're insignificant. They don't have a purpose to be there. And so I want to make sure, just like Paul... That you understand your purpose. So your purpose is defined by your gifting. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 6. He explains this. He breaks it down. He says there's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And then he goes on to explain there's difference of uh, administrations, but the same Lord. And diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. In other words, Paul... Paul is informing the church that there's different kinds of gifts, but it's the same spirit distributing them. I love this. This is, this is the triune God that we're about to see here. There's different kinds of services, but the same Lord. We perform just like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our example of service, all right? And then he, he goes and explains that all of this, all of these areas of gifting are all by the same God. Everybody with me? So he's saying to the church, understand this. Your purpose is defined by your gifting. 
And your gifting is all commissioned by God. The Holy Spirit gives you clarity of what's your spiritual gift. You are to live an example of Jesus Christ with the gifting you've been given through your service. And it all is represented by God Almighty. Everybody with me? Yeah, okay, good. So what is a spiritual gift? I think people get this confused. Let me make sure you get this. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, we know that we're all members of the body of Christ if we're Christians. And we're all gifted in a specific way as members of that church. It's functions, all right? Y'all follow me? We function in different ways. We work in different ways. And with those functions comes responsibilities. And part of those responsibilities are our spiritual gifts and our physical gifts. And so spiritual gifts, a spiritual gifts is a, a special divine empowerment bestowed on each believer at the day of their salvation. And I don't want to be mystical with that. I don't want you to get all freaked out. Uh, it, it's simplistic. You've been, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And because you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, when you become a believer, you are now empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill some amazing things. And what are those amazing things for? It's for the edification of the saints and for the building up of the body of Christ. It's to make the church work. All right, get this. What is the church? The church is more than a building. You are the church. You're part of the body of Christ. This is called the local church. You ever heard anybody say that? The local church? Well, we're going to the local church. Local church means this assembly of believers that come together and worship at a location. But we as believers are all part of the body of Christ. Y'all follow me? Okay, good. (laughs) Because I need you to understand this is so important. Then you have these physical gifts. These are talents. These are skills. These are things that anybody could have. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Some are born with talents. Some have abilities at a very young age. Some have to hone in on that and they have to develop it. They have to study and they have to grow to develop those skills. But... Basically, all of us have these specific talents within us. We, we're, we're blessed with these natural talents. They are attributed to the natural uh, genetic materials that are in us, our DNA. There's some people that are just natural basketball players. They're just natural when it comes to piano. They just kind of learn real fast. Not everybody's like that. It's in their DNA. And if you study their life and their, 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 their family history, there's probably a lot of people that are talented in that specific area. Now, it's important to understand that these two things work together as talents. We are given two gifts, physical and spiritual. And your talents are given to you by God to serve his kingdom and to uh, build up the body of Christ. So physical and spiritual gifts can be paired together. I think this is so beautiful. Now watch this. You don't hear this too often, but I believe it's true. If you have a physical gift, a talent, and you work really well with people, I mean, you speak into their lives, you counsel well. I believe what accommodates that, complements that, is your spiritual gift of maybe wisdom or knowledge. See how they work together? God created you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. So when you become a believer, he connects these two together. These talents that are represented by physical and spiritual can come together and do something dynamic and powerful. Y'all following me? You say, oh, you work so good with kids. You're just a kid person. Well, you probably have the gift of mercy because kid people have to be merciful or they hurt children. 
And it's the reality of the way God has brought these things together. So you have to know your gifting and what it is. And your purpose is defined by your gifting. Now, let's get a little deep. So don't lose me here. I don't want you to lose focus of where I'm going. I don't want you to feel as if you're sitting in a theological class. But I feel like it's vitally important for you to get this. There's spiritual gifts that are relevant for the church today. And I believe there are some spiritual gifts that may not be relevant for today. You say, whoa, we serve the same God today, yesterday, and forever. He is the same. Yes, But God works in mysterious ways and in different ways. Let me read. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at various times, there's the word times, and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, now there's two different periods of time here, who he has appointed heir of all things, through whom... Also, he made the worlds. Now, where am I going with this? This is the foundational premise of dispensationalism. Don't lose this, okay? I want to keep you with me, okay? A dispensation is a time period. That's all it is. God works within different time periods in different ways. Does that make sense? Would you all agree that God works differently throughout history? Would you agree throughout biblical history that we've seen a unique work of God that's distinctly different from today? Okay, let's rewind. All in the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 1. Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden. God worked specifically in a specific way at that time. Then everything flipped because we messed up. Adam and Eve, thank you. The fall. And so now God works in a different way because of the fall of man. There's a period of time. There's this dispensation period of time. And then the ark, ooh, destruction, the destruction of the whole world as we know it, boom, God is working in a unique way during that period of time. After that, everything is recalibrated, if you would. We're starting over. You know, with this little family that's going to multiply into a big world of 7 billion people that we have today. But then God was working specifically through them. And then he started working uniquely with his chosen people. And we see this period of time that's the mosaic time. And and, and you see this period of time that's unique because it's focused on the law instead of grace and their sacrifices. Everybody with me? Would we all agree? There is periods of time that God works uniquely and differently than where we are today. I hope so. This is dispensation. When we get to the New Testament, we enter into the ecclesiastical dispensation of the church, which means the church age. Y'all with me? So now we got people like Peter and Paul and the disciples and the apostles. They're showing up on the scene and everything's changing. Jesus has died on the cross. He rose again. He's commissioned the people of the church to go out and make disciples. This is called the Great Commission. And so here we are. This is called the, uh, uh, this period of time, the church period of time, uh, is, is that period of time where we have Peter and Paul and the disciples and, and also the, uh, the epistles. And they're, excuse me, the epistles were written at this period of time all for a specific reason, to focus on the early church. Y'all following me? This is the apostolic dispensation. This is before our time. 
And so now we shift gears over a, a, a long period of time, nearly 2,000 years, and we drift into uh, what we call today the new church age, the contemporary church. Don't get freaked out with the word contemporary there. And we, we see the Great Awakening. We see Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Jonathan Edwards, Billy Graham, David Liuzzo, and all kinds of other preachers. Right? Amen. Where are we at? can't believe I just put myself in the same category of those other guys. This is the post-apostolic period. This is the modern church. Y'all following me? So how is God working today versus then? Different. You can't deny it. It's different. With all that being said, there's miraculous gifts of the Spirit. The apostleship, prophecy, tongues, healing, miracles. They serve the purpose of validating the message about Jesus during the days of the early church. But that was the early church. Uh, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, there were marks of apostleship. Why? Because it showed that these people were truly apostles. And what were those marks? Well, according to that passage, there were signs, wonders, and miracles. These identified these folks as apostles. These were marks of apostleship. Paul doesn't mention these miraculous spiritual gifts to Timothy and Titus when he's dealing with the church in Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. And I believe the reason for that is these miraculous gifts slowly faded. Not because we have a God that changes. We just have a God that works mysteriously and differently as the times and culture changes. Follow me. Can God perform miracles today? Absolutely. Can he use mysterious things to perform his miracles? Absolutely. Can he use a church to come together, anoint somebody with oil, pray over them, and have faith that God can heal them of cancer? Absolutely. But do I believe that God is giving the power to an individual like a Benny Hinn to cast his garment across the crowd, people to fall to the floor, and they have this immaculate amazing healing. We have legs that are extending longer and we have bodies that are changing. I'm going to say this. I do not believe that to be so. And I do not believe it was so at the time of Christ. It looked different. People were being healed, raised from the dead, and lives were being changed. But I do not believe that Paul was ripping off a garment, swinging it over the crowd, saying fire and grabbing people's chest and they're hitting the ground and they're going sporadic and spazzing out let me say, be very careful. The emotions of man doesn't influence the spirit of God. I'm serious about that. In the fundamental Baptist movement, you have emotions. In the charismatic movement, you have emotions. In the independent Baptist, we have emotions. And our emotions can lead us in a direction that is not necessarily God. It's all us. We can get caught up. And it's very dangerous. So where am I going? Let's pull this back together, okay? You have miraculous gifts. And then you have these sign gifts that I believe were specifically for a period of time. The church, the apostolic period, the early church that are no longer used today. Let me make this simplistic for you. I believe there's sign gifts. Okay? Sign gifts would be tongues. Oh, I know. Uh, 
I know that can be sensitive. Now watch. There's three types of tongues that are mentioned in the word of God. You have the, um, the tongue, the unknown tongue. You have the tongue of angels. And uh, phonetic tongue, which is different diverse languages. He, they would preach and everybody would hear in their own language. Y'all follow me? I can't really understand how God did that, whether it was the hearer or the speaker, where the miracle took place. All I know is it happened, and I believe it. Paul mentions the tongue of angels. And uh, it's interesting when he mentions it because he says, whether you can speak in tongues or the tongue of angels, it doesn't matter. If you do not have love, it's like this annoying uh, instrument, and it's accomplishing nothing except annoying us. So when he makes that reference, is this rhetorical? Is he saying, even if you know the language of the angels, it's worthless if you don't love people? I don't have the answer, but I do believe it was rhetorical. I believe he wasn't literally saying, hey, guys, there is a tongue of angels that you can learn. Why would we need to learn? We don't communicate with angels. We communicate with Jesus Christ. In his name, we pray, and he makes intervention for us. Y'all follow me? Let's be biblicist here, not emotional. This is the focus. Focus on what I'm saying here because this is very important. So I believe the tongue of angels is one of those mysterious things that we don't really understand. And if anybody has had an interview with an angel, wrote down their language, love to meet them, but we haven't had that happen just yet. This phonetic language, the ability, the diverse language, the ability to speak one language and everybody understands in their own language was a sign to the Jews. Watch. Don't lose focus on this. What does that mean? It was a sign to the Jews. The Jews did not like the fact that Gentiles were supposedly coming to know Jesus Christ. They said, well, they're not even, they're not even circumcised. That's our tradition. Okay. They don't, they don't practice Judaism. How do we know they're truly believers? Well, all of a sudden, the Gentiles were now speaking in tongues. They had this ability, this gifting. And so this was a clear sign to the Jewish people that they are truly converted believers. Y'all following me? There was evidence. What's the evidence for us today? Is it tongues? No. There are certain denominations that believe if you're not able to speak in tongues, whatever they define that tongue to be, you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. Because it's evidence. Well, guess what? Our evidence is through the Holy Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is distinctly different than the gifting of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, you know, so on and so forth. We are given those through the Holy Spirit, but they're cultivated over time. These happen gradually. They're evidences of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. These spiritual characteristics that are one in the Lord, okay? That's the fruit of the Spirit. But when it comes to the gift of the Spirit, they they happen instantaneously. You accept Jesus Christ. You are empowered with the ability to have specific gifts. Not all of them. Only Jesus had all of the gifts. But specific gifts to edify the saints and to accommodate the body of Christ, which is the church. So one is cultivated over time. It's called sanctification. We develop love, joy, peace, long and suffering and gentleness and kindness. We're learning to crucify our flesh and accept people for who they are. We're going to embrace these people regardless if we like them or not. But 
the gifting of the Spirit is this empowering that we have. And you say, well, what is it? I want it. I want it so bad. Well, you have it. I just can't identify what yours is. Now watch this. I'm not getting weird. I just want to give clarity. What are the gifts for the church today? Okay, everybody with me? Dispensation. The dispensation of today. The time period we live in. Well, can God perform miracles? Yes, he can. Does he empower people to do it? I don't believe it's like we see on TV. No. I think God works uniquely. By the way, miracles can be one or two things. The healing of somebody or the raising of the dead, right? When's the last time Benny Hinn had a coffin go down the aisle and he raised that person back to life? They don't do it. You know why? Because even the charismatic believe there's a dispensation of time. That time of bringing people back to life like Lazarus was for then, not for today. That's interesting. So you chose what dispensation to believe in. But the miracles, you believe you could perform this. But there's specific people that can't have that miracle. That's why they have an interview before they bring them up on stage to make sure they can sufficiently perform this miracle. Let it be what it is. Here's where we are, or at least me. There's miraculous churches that believe in miraculous gifting. And where we are is the present-day dispensation of the church age that believes these specific areas of gifting are for us, which are evangelism, pastor, serving, teaching, faith, exhortation, distinguishing spirits, showing mercy, giving, administration, wisdom, knowledge. God has blessed the church of today and empowered us with those abilities. These are the gifts that God has given us And what those are to you are very important. Now watch. I took a little longer for that. And I felt like it was very important for me to cover those. Once you know your spiritual gift, then you'll be able to know your purpose. And then you will be able to take your physical gift and your spiritual gifting and be more effective with it. You are going to feel like you have a purpose in this world when you didn't have one before because you know why you're here. The reason why so many people are half-hearted about the church is because they don't know their purpose within the church. Okay, so your talents, they're physical, they're spiritual, and the spiritual aspect are specific for this church age. And now let's dive into this. I want you to understand your gifting is directed by the Spirit of God. If you're still with me, pay attention because I want you to focus. Your gifting is directed by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 explains this. But all these, in verse 11, all these worketh that one in the self-same Spirit. Now why? How is it working? Well, according to His will. According to God's will. They're divided out according to God's will. Each one of these spiritual gifts that we're empowered with are according to God's will for your life. Why? Because he designed you, he created you, and he knows what you're able to do and why you should do it. For the profiting of the church. Your gifting is directed by the Spirit of God for the profiting of the church. It's not about me. It's not about you. That was the problem in the church back at the time of Paul. People are just randomly using these gifts... And they're doing it in an inappropriate way. We see it in the church age today where they still believe in tongues. People, while they're singing, they're throwing out these tongues. By the way, if, they were, if they're biblicists and they truly believed in the gift of tongues, somebody would be interpreting that tongue, that language. That's biblical. It's contrary to scripture if a person was to speak in tongues and somebody didn't translate. Yeah, 
that's why I believe it's a phonetic tongue. I believe the phonetic tongue was somebody would speak, not everybody understood it, then you had an interpreter or a translator, as we say today, that would let people know exactly what was on this man's heart from the Holy Spirit and speak to, directly to the people. Not this while you're just randomly preaching, you go into it, and nobody knows what you just said. Y'all follow me? Another reason why it's not relevant for the church today. Okay, let's continue. It's for the profiting of the church. And God is specifically using this, according to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. That means the cross, when it is lifted up, people would be drawn unto Jesus Christ. But within the church, he's the head of the church, the body of Christ. And when we are focused on, on, on Jesus Christ and the ministries are pointing back to him, it is profiting God more than self. If you use your talents to play a keyboard or a cajon or a guitar and you're edifying yourself, you've missed it. Your gifting is not used properly. You're not managing well. You understand? You're not a good steward because your gifting is directed by the Spirit of God for the profiting of the church and for the will of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, in the 7 and 11 explains this. It's the dividing every man severely as he will. God's will will be done through his gifting, his empowering. So... Your gifting is directed by the Holy Spirit for the profiting of the church and for the will of God. And also, number three, follow this. Your gifting defines your part in the church. You have a part to play in the body of Christ. Not just the local assembly. Not just as a worship leader or a worship team or a greeter or a children's ministry or the tech guy. You have a specific role to play within the body, okay? The body of Christ. The body of Christ is illustrated as a body because it's literally symbolic of our human body. Fingers, arms, hands, legs, every one of these are make up the body. And so God is literally saying through his word, you're like that physical body. We have different parts of the church that work to keep the body moving. There's many members according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And being many, the body also in Christ... And then he goes on in verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. There's, your part is one of many. You're not in this alone, so there's no big shots. You say, well, you're the pastor. There's no big shots. That's the problem with a lot of churches. They say, well, he's the pastor. He, he's up here and we're down here. No, I'm somewhere as part of the body of Christ just like you are. I just have a greater responsibility. I have a talent that the master has given me and I have to do well with it. Y'all following me? So your gifting defines your part in the church, and your part is one of many. And not only that, I tell you, your part is intentional. You have an intentional part to play. I love how Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 through 20. He basically says, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I'm not part of the body. In other words, I'm not happy. The foot looks at the hand and says, I'm not happy being a foot, I want to be a hand. And then he goes on to explain it for the ear looks at the eye and says, I, I, I'm not part of the body because I want to do what you're doing. I'm not happy. You know what? The, the ear is saying, I want to see the world. I want to see what you're seeing. I want to experience it. And the eye is saying, just be happy with what you're hearing. And the ear says, no, I'm not happy. I hear everybody's problems. I'm dealing with all these issues. I'm just not happy. But let me tell you something. If that's the part of the body that God has called you to be, the administration, mercy, teaching, 
Embrace it because when you embrace it, you'll love it. When I was at Fellowship Baptist Church and I was the, over the children's ministry, I got to a period of time in my life that I wasn't happy. I wanted more because I saw Joe Catronio, who was on staff at that time. He was empowered. He was working with teenagers. I'm working with children. I felt like I was belittled and little. I am little. But at that time, it was more than a physical little. It was a spiritual thing. And I, I wanted more. I didn't want to be called the children's pastor. That's degrading. And I went through this for a while. And I almost took a church in Memphis, Tennessee, because I wanted to get away from it. And I was this close. There was only two of us left. And we were being interviewed. And we were taking our next step. And Chris Andrews just came on staff at our sending church. And he asked me, why do you want to pastor? Guess what I said? I don't know. Actually, I did know. You know what it was? I didn't like being a children's pastor. It was pride. It was the ear yelling at the eye. I want to see what you see and do what you do. I'm not happy. And when I let go and accepted that God has empowered me to work with those little kids, and I love it, really, I do. I just had pride that got in my way. Everything changed. Do you know why? Because my vacation Bible schools changed and Cadets for Christ summer program changed and Awana changed. And I embraced it and I said, I don't care what they call me. This is what God's called me to do. And I will do it because I'm the ear or I'm the eye or whatever the case may be. I embraced it because I knew that was what I was good at doing. And I don't mean that arrogantly. It's just something I had to accept. Now watch this. When I did, that's when the church leadership said it's time to transition Dave into the executive pastor. Now, did I see that coming? No, I did not see that coming. That leadership role was handed off to me because I took advantage of what God had called me to do as a servant, and I was going to manage it well. My time, my talent, and my treasures, and what I've been empowered to do, I'm one of many. It was intentional what God called me to do, and I needed to embrace it. And through that, other doors opened up. Which brings me, your part is necessary. We need you. You say, God don't need me. I used to preach, God don't need you, you need God. Well, okay, that's true. But if we read the Bible and we're biblicists, there's some reason God wants us. <laughs> he likes us and he's going to use us. <clears throat> so if there's to be a body of Christ, the body of the church, then I guess he does need us because that's what he wants. This is not my choosing. This is what God wants. And so your part is necessary. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 21 through 23 The Bible kind of explains this in verse 23. The members of the body which we think are less honorable are honorable. He just basically says when you think this area is not very honorable, it's not important, wake up because it's just as important as any other area of the church. Fred, one of the guys that used to be at Fellowship Baptist Church, he passed away. He was an older gentleman. He would volunteer to clean the bathrooms and the facility and the hallways. He did it because he loved the church. He was good at it. And I've wondered so many times walking the hallway, I wonder if Fred feels less. I wonder if he feels insignificant. I wonder if Fred Kirk just feels left out. Maybe at times he did, but I'll tell you, I never heard it come out of his mouth because he was a necessity in the church. Nobody wants to sit on a dirty toilet. Y'all, come on now, let's be black and white here. Come on. Nobody wants to go to a dirty church, especially the children's ministry, right? It's a necessity. It may seem minute to you, but it's important. And God's word says right here, every area is important. Stop beating yourself up. You are important to the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what part you are, whether it's the pinky toe or the hand pinky. It doesn't matter. 
You are important. Is it even called a pinky toe? I don't know. Thank you. I feel better about that. Watch this. Your part is connected. Every part of the church is connected together. Whether you like it or not, we're a big happy family. You ever go to a family reunion and say, I really wish Uncle so-and-so wasn't part of our family. (laughs) Aunt so-and-so, every year she drives me crazy. But guess what? That's family. And church family is about the same. We're all connected. Whether you like it or not, we're fitly joined together. The Bible says we're tempered. The body is tempered together. We're all in this together. Whether we like it or not, we are in this together. Even the weird aunts and uncles. We have to learn to work together. And if we don't, the Bible calls it a schism. That means there's division in the church according to verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And when there's a schism in the church, there's division. There's a gap. Anytime you have a gap or a schism within the body, the physical body, it hurts. Having a bone out of joint or a finger out of joint. I've never had that happen. I stubbed my finger the other day. I say it's been like two months ago. And it still hurts. Because the joint was affected. Something's not right. There's this inflammation. And when inflammation's in the church, unless it's taken care of, it will just keep on festering and and getting worse. And so what we are commanded to do is to make sure there's no infections, inflammations, any problems, division in the church. Why? Because if we allow that, the church will no longer be fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth the need, according to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. I, um, a lot of you know this, but when I was uh, 19 years old, I, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was in uh, my uh, dorm, and I woke up, and I couldn't see right. I mean, like, I had double vision. And believe it or not, I had a date that night. I had a lot of dates, but uh, just... <laughs> and I told her, uh, I said, I think you need to drive. I think I'm going blind. She's like, I just don't know if I can drive. I'm like, what? how old are you? What? I mean, come on. I need you to drive. I'm going blind. I, I was scared to death. I didn't know what was happening. The next day it got worse. So we had to meet with a neurologist and come to find out that I had multiple sclerosis. Wow. Man, what's going on? This can't be happening. What is multiple sclerosis? These healthy things that we have in our body called white blood cells, they're supposed to help you. They work for you. You all follow me? They're supposed to fight off disease, sickness, and all kinds of other elements that are not good for your body. But mine decided to say, hey, let's make war against Dave's body and eat his nerve endings. Instead of destroying the bad things, they're like Pac-Man eating the nerve endings. And if they can get through like a wire, if they can get through that coating and get all the way through the wire, then I will have no ability wherever that area may be. I'll lose that ability. I may wake up tomorrow and this arm's not, it's not there. It's not working. It's, this, it's the rest of my life. If they only get through the coating, that means it could be mended, almost like electric tape being put back through steroids. I've been very blessed. I've had this for many, many years. Just lately, I feel like I'm dealing with some multiple sclerosis issues that we think might be in my spine. We're going to do an MRI to find out. But here's where I'm at. I had to realize that my body is in conflict with itself. And it's destroying me from the inside out. God's word made it very clear. If the church does the same thing, it cannot stay together. It's a schism. Division destroys churches. 
You better determine that you're not going to be like the white blood cells where you're just chomping away at everybody because they don't agree with where you stand. By the way, can I say this? Of course, why did preachers say that? Of course I'm going to say this. I'm standing up here, right? Okay. What is that? Oh. It's like when people say, can we pray? What are they going to say? No. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm in the hospital. Of course they're going to say, yes, let's pray together. I don't know. It's a side note there. I've learned this. Within the church, when there's these schisms and divisions, they begin to fester and they get worse. And people start to fall off over minute issues. They're not doctrinal issues. They're not the fundamentals of the faith. And by the way, this area of gifts, if you're like, well, I still believe in tongues. Okay, that's fine for you. It's not a fundamental of the faith. You're not going to die and go to hell over it. We're not going to split the church over it. There is a responsibility as a pastor that I need to present the truth according to what I have interpreted in God's word. But let's not split the church over it. Y'all following me? Well, I believe that God has empowered me to heal, you know, animals. Okay, I'm not going to really probably hang out with you a whole lot. But that's between you and God. But I'm, one thing's for sure, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the deity of Christ. That's a necessity. Now, I'm being silly right now, but let's get real. We need to make sure the focus is right within the church. We're not always going to agree. We're, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to translate Scripture according to the way God leads us. Some of it is the revealed Word of God. It's very clear. Let me tap this one on the head, dealing with spiritual gifts, prophecy. We have the canon of Scripture. Everything we need to know has already been revealed to us. We can preach and teach God's word. But when somebody stands up on a stage and says, they're gonna, they have prophecy for you, they, they're revealing a new prophecy, that's, that's contrary to scripture. We are looking for prophecy to be fulfilled. We're not creating new prophecies. Ain't no modern day prophet. We're not modern day preachers and teachers of God's word. That's settled. That one we don't compromise on. on. Y'all following me? That's very important to understand. But don't let the disagreements and the schisms create division and people quitting the church. I don't want to see that happen. I think we need to love one another and encourage one another and strengthen one another and iron sharpeneth iron and learn to work with people where they're at spiritually. Help one another. We're not always going to agree on everything. But one thing we can agree is we love Jesus Christ. We're going to reach the Dublin community for the Lord God Almighty. We're not going to slow down. We're not going to back down. And we're going to encourage one another while we're doing it. We're going to love on the kids that come here. We're going to sing from our hearts on stage. We're going to make sure we're not backing down from the doctrines of our faith, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and point people to the Lord God Almighty. Though we do talk about some of these things, that is number one. You got talent. I titled this message Got Talent because I love America's Got Talent. People have to have a specific talent to perform and have a really good talent not to get buzzed if they're going to be on America's Got Talent. Problem is, is people are standing up there and they ain't got no talent. At least the thing they're doing on stage is not their talent. I'm going to tell you something. As a believer, every one of you got talent. And your talent is broken up into two categories, physical gifts and spiritual gifts. And God wants you to utilize those things for his honor and his glory and for your good. And if you don't understand what those are, you're going to lose your purpose in life. And you need to know what your purpose is because that 
is where the happiness, the joy of the Lord comes because you're fulfilling what you've been called to do within the body of Christ.